Funding for WPLN News comes from you, our listeners, and Bernstein Private Wealth, working with creators and innovators to invest with intention and build the legacy they want to leave behind. More at Bernstein.com. I'm Khalil E. Colonna, and this is Nashville. Today and tomorrow, we're bringing you special episodes of This is Nashville dedicated to the mayoral race. Monday night, WPLN News joined the Nashville Child and Youth Collaborative to put on a mayoral forum. The theme? For Nashville's future. The Collaborative is a group of 16 local organizations and counting who have all signed on together to advocate for Nashville's youngest citizens. And the best part about this event, I got to moderate alongside a few teens from the Mayor's Youth Council. The event was sold out, standing room only, and the atmosphere was energized. We were so proud to be a part of this event, and now we're thrilled to bring it to you, our listeners, in two special episodes today and tomorrow, packaged with analysis from the WPLN newsroom and a few behind-the-scenes surprises. Before we begin, I'll let you in on how it worked. We had seven of the candidates present for Monday's forum. Heidi Campbell, Jim Gingrich, Sharon Hurt, Freddie O'Connell, Alice Rowley, Matt Wilshire, and Jeff Yarbrough. The candidate cutoff was determined by the Nashville Child and Youth Collaborative and based on fundraising. For each question, we gave the candidates 90 seconds to answer unless I said otherwise. With that, let's get into it. Are y'all ready? Hold on, that didn't sound like you were ready. Are y'all ready? Okay, here we go. All right, so after Nashville was named the It City in 2013, the region experienced explosive growth with 100 people a day moving in. But since then, the population growth has slowed significantly. And in fact, Davidson County has seen a period of out-migration. Many attribute this to the dramatic increase in the cost of living and see it likely as a reason for the decreased student enrollment in metro schools. What strategies will you pursue to ensure that Nashville families can afford to stay in the city. Heidi Campbell is up first. Thank you so much for having us. It's, this is a really exciting room. It's great to be here with all of you. Um, yes, so the tagline for my campaign is, are we building a place to visit or a place to live? And that really is, I think, the question of this moment because a lot of people do feel like they're getting priced out of our city. And for those of us who grew up here, um, Nashville doesn't feel focused on the people who live here. So um, I released on my website a few weeks ago a policy uh, paper which includes my approach to all of these issues that we're talking about this evening. And I, since these are short answers to questions, I really ask you to go to vote Heidi Campbell com and my phone number is on the website please feel free to text me or call me but you know I think we're gonna have to have an all hands on deck approach to making sure that we're focused on Nashvillians going forward all right Jeff Yarbrough look I think right now the affordable housing strategy for the city of Nashville is keep driving until you can afford something and that is not just bad housing policy, it's bad transportation policy, and ultimately it's bad schools, education, and children's policy. Uh, I mean, I talked to a Metro teacher, or former Metro teacher two weeks ago, who taught at one of our Metro high schools for a year, loved it, but felt like she had to go change careers because she couldn't afford to live in our city. So we have to get this right 
on the teacher side of the equation, on the parents and family side of the equation. And, and that's exactly what we need to do. Um, I think there's, we, we, what we have seen is we have not taken this problem as seriously as we need to. I mean, I think we have, I passed legislation years ago to actually allow for investment in affordable housing. I think that's important, but we are not doing a good enough job of preserving affordability where it is. Uh, we have seen new housing come online, but we are losing affordability just as fast as it's coming online. So I think we need to do better there. We also need to leverage the dollars and Metro property as best we can to really uh, get more private sector dollars in, into play so that we are building much more ambitious levels of affordable housing. And then third, especially for the co firefighters, cops, and teachers right, that make the city that work. Is, that is time. Got it. All right, Matt Wilshire. Khalil, thank you for this question. And first of all, thank you to all of you for this turnout. This turnout is absolutely amazing and inspiring. Um, and it's exciting to see so many people who care so much about this city. So thank you to each of you for being here. Um, yes, uh, as has been discussed, this is a major issue facing the city. And it is the reason that about four years ago, I left a job that I loved. Uh, in the mayor's office to move to MDHA, the Public Housing Authority, to work on affordable housing. And there is a lot of work left to do. I moved as a part of a new initiative called Under One Roof, and unfortunately that plan was put on the shelf, but we were able to pivot and bring in public-private partnerships to build affordable housing. And in just three years, we helped build over 4,000 units of housing that Nashvillians could actually afford. We did that both at Casey Homes through the redevelopment, changing areas of concentrated poverty into thriving mixed income, mixed use neighborhoods to improve the quality of life for all Nashvillians, particularly the folks who live there. And we did it in a way that did not displace anyone, which is vitally important. But we also built 3,500 units around the county through public-private partnerships. We do need to involve the private sector. And so with my experience in the private sector on financing and experience working at MDHA, I have introduced a whole series of plans to improve the access to affordable time. housing in Nashville. And that thank is you. time. Alice Rowley. Yeah, thank you. Um, and uh, thank you for all of the organizers. I do want to acknowledge the last time I know many of us were here uh, was uh, to celebrate the life of Honey Alexander this fall, who, who passed away and for whom this center is named. And I was very honored to work um, in two different stints for Senator Alexander. And I believe in my bones that we can love Nashville and love Tennessee, and that when we bring uh, state and federal dollars to solve issues confronting our city, um, that we all win. And the issue around affordability for the city broadly, and for our youth in particular, in the boom years of 2013, when we were named the It City, we uh, made a series of very unfortunate decisions that will continue to impact our youth for a very long time. In that period of time, we kicked the can down the road on solving the employee health care liability issue for the city. And today, our second highest budget item in our city budget, dollars that we cannot spend on programs for our youth, is being spent on debt. $413 million, more than the entire state debt service combined. This is something that I worry about as a mother, 
and we see our families worry about because when we continue to raise taxes, and we continue to push working families out of the county, uh, we are making it very hard for people to want to stay here. So I'd like us to change that. And that's um, time. All right. Freddie O'Connell. Yeah, what a great night. Uh, thank you all for being here, because especially for the young people in the room, we're here uh, to try to build a better future for you all. Uh, my parents are still here in the house I grew up in. My daughters are both in our metro schools. And think about Khalil's question. It was about out-migration from Nashville and Davidson County, but it actually was anchored around seeing enrollment declines in metro schools. Those two things are related, but they're related because one of the issues we're facing is metro schools is having a hard time with barriers for working families trying to enter the school system. I know this because I basically lost a job over one of those. We didn't have enough after-school seats uh, at the school our older daughter started and where I went when I was a kid, where Matt went, Aiken Elementary. Uh, and I didn't know the secret handshake to get into aftercare for our older daughter. And I had to leave the office at 3 p.m. every day. And I chose to lose a job and keep a school and stay there and fight. And so now there are two on-site aftercare programs there. That lets working families come into that. Uh, as we go forward, I'm glad to see Jenny Poopa Walker here who worked on high school start times. We have the earliest high school start times in the country. That's not a good thing. Mark Dunkerley is here with Oasis Center and so many of the staff here. The MTA Youth Action Team is also housed there as well as the Mayor's Youth Council. When I am mayor, count on me to do one of the most important cost of living things we will do as a city, which is to build the transit system we all need. Thank you. Sharon Hurt. Thank you. Good evening. I'm so glad to be here so I can say that I am a recurring giver to WPLN. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for that. And Freddie, I didn't know there were handshakes in Metro schools, but all my kids went there and we didn't even know that there was a handshake that you had to have. But thank you. Thank you. We've been working in the trenches for a very, very long time. And you did talk about affordability. And unfortunately, affordability is not going to go down in Nashville. We need a leader. And as mayor, I'm going to make sure that I focus on people, preservation, and prosperity, because we've got to share the wealth. We need to make sure that that happens. This is a tale of two cities, and far too many, one group of people has gotten things and other groups of people have not. And I want to make sure that we restore hope and prosperity on every block. We've got to rebuild our family structure. I've been a CASA volunteer. I've worked with the Family Center. I'm with Bellevue Exchange Club. I've been the Tennessee Director of Awards, working with our kids all across this city. We've got to get to the fruit of it before we can get to the root of it. And I'm going to make sure that we do that. I am the one that's been working on the, in the trenches with you all. When you vote for me, you're voting for yourselves because I have the lived experiences. Thank you very much. All right. And Jim Gingrich. Thank you. It's, uh, it's great to be here. I, uh, as I say to folks, I'm always amazed at how many forums you can actually pack into a week. I'm also amazed that folks in Nashville just shows how much people care show up all the time at these forums. So thank you. Uh, look, affordable housing. Uh, it's a big issue. It ties into a lot of other things, too. Housing stability affects how kids are going to do in school. As Jeff said, it influences uh, what our congestion is like and a host of other things. Uh, the problem has never been worse. We now need tens of thousands of units of affordable housing. It's also an issue that we have been talking about, like many other issues we'll probably talk about tonight, for at least a decade. 
Our city has been growing, but we haven't had a plan to deal with that growth. And affordable housing is just one example. You go back and watch the 2015 mayoral debates. We were talking about affordable housing then. The only difference is it's worse today than it was then. We in the interim have done multiple studies to say, one, it's bad. And two, we need, here's a, here's a set of actions that we should do about it. You can't continue to kick the can. It gets harder and harder, and it ultimately, it impacts people's lives. It impacts how our kids do in school because they don't have housing stability. It impacts us when we're stuck on the roads because we got folks who can't afford to live in our city. So look, we have to get to work, and there are three things. One, we do need to f continually fund the barns. All right, two, and that's time. We're gonna move on to question number two. Nashville at one time had an office of children and youth. The office worked in partnership with public and private entities to ensure health, safety, and well-being of Nashville's children. Will you commit to reestablishing the office of children and youth? This is a yes or no question. You each have 30 seconds, starting with you, Jim Gingrich. In principle, yes. I would like to understand why it was not more effective, but it is certainly a needed thing because you... The issues that we face are not compartmentalized issues, okay? We need somebody in the mayor's office or somebody within Metro that is going to integrate our efforts, be it health, education, safety, uh, workforce development, vocational training, and that involves after-school programs, summer programs, right. summer training, and, and the like. We're at time. Heidi Campbell. Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, I would. Yes. Yes, absolutely. You know, um, the most important thing we do um, as a city is supporting our youth. And um, the, the youth should be informing the conversation in the mayor's office on a regular basis. So I would also establish a student council, which actually is representative of different areas of Nashville, because we're a very redlined city and not all areas are experiencing the same quality of life. All right. Jeff Yarbrough. Yes. Yes, I would reestablish uh, a key position in that in the mayor's office to focus on children and youth. And I believe that we need to update, if not overhaul, where our children and youth master plan is for the time that we're in. I think to be, truly be an education mayor in Nashville, you really need to have a prenatal to post-secondary strategy. You know, we know that 80% of brain development happens in the first three years of life, and we don't do enough there, but you need to have a full-on plan right. throughout. Matt Wilshire. So we have 30 seconds for a yes or no question. There you go. Yes. Yes, I will reestablish the office. All right. Alice Rowley. Yeah, so I see uh, K to J as one combined strategy, and that I think that economic development and education have to be combined together and have to be a single focus uh, for the mayor's office. Um, I don't believe in creating an office of everything because this is what we have created. It means that we have people that don't understand the principle of what they're doing, what activities they need to be doing, and what the results should be. So I think that we need to infuse a customer-focused orientation throughout Metro government, and I don't think making a new title is the way to do that. Freddie O'Connell. So how we organize the mayor's office is really important, and I think hiring a bunch of people 
that have a single role and they're one person and calling it an office is not particularly effective. I will have a director of youth and children, uh, and we'll also have an office of opportunity that has a specific focus on youth opportunity in a lifetime of not just summer jobs, but an incredible network. And I will commit to meet with the mayor's youth council, which is one of the most important existing councils we have to make sure we're building a better city for the future on a regular basis. Sharon? I think that what I would do is ask our children what it is that they want and what they need. I was introduced to the Blue Ridge Institute through the Family and Children Services, where we would go every summer in Blue Ridge, North Carolina, and it was students who were there the entire summer running the program. And knowing that they had the ability to do that, I would trust in them to come back to Nashville and tell us exactly the best way it can be done so we can be effective for them. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we'll continue this special coverage of Nashville's mayoral election. Tweet us your reactions at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. I'm Khalil Ecolona, and this is Nashville. This hour, we're bringing you a special broadcast. Monday night, we hosted a mayoral forum put on by the Nashville Child and Youth Collaborative. Let's pick up with our third question of the night. This one comes from one of my co-moderators, Nashville School of the Arts senior, Madison Moore. Over the last decade, young people like me have been fighting for the climate. Our urgency comes from overuse of fossil fuels, pollution, and clear cutting, all of which is happening right here in Nashville. It holds consequences for the present and the future, and because of that, it must be dealt with now. If you were elected as our next mayor, what immediate action would you take to curb the climate crisis in Nashville? Thank you, Madison. Sharon Hurt? So, you know, I actually I actually have a niece who works with the EPA in uh, Atlanta, and she's younger than I am. And they have been telling me all of the things that we need to do. Again, I'm going to go to the experts. I don't know everything, but I listen, and I listen well. I'm the one that get things done. So for you to tell me, as a matter of fact, you know, Marvin Gaye, since you went to the School of the Arts, you know, he was a singer that had what's going on. If you listen to his music today, it sounds just like even though it was 50 years ago that everything is here today. And he talked about ecology and what was happening, mercury killing our fish in the seas. So I would listen to you and listen to those things and watch what's happening and take those steps ensure that we make sh- to ensure that we are addressing this climate change. But because it is absolutely real and work with the Army Corps of Engineers because they have been on the forefront of doing those kinds of things. All right. Jim Gingrich. This is another area where we just need to start to get things done. Um, You know, and that that is a host of, of things that we could be doing, whether or not that is ensuring that we have a full electrification of our bus fleet, that we are encouraging the construction of power or of, of charging stations for electrical vehicles that we encourage the companies downtown to stop effectively subsidizing somebody to drive in and park to uh uh just you know this is 
we should be making investments in a smart grid technology so that if you are generating electricity off a solar panel, you can sell it back into the system, which we don't today, and most parts of the country, in fact, have that in place. Uh, I, there is emerging technology where you can use the flow of a river that is relatively rapid, like the Cumberland, to again generate electricity. If we start to do some of those smart things, in addition to protecting our canopy and investing in our green spaces and our greenways, I think we'll be on the way to what you're talking about. But the issue is, let's not let's keep let's stop talking and let's start doing. Heidi Campbell. Madison, this is a great question. This is an existential crisis. It's the most important thing that we are facing. Why? Because if we don't have a habitable planet, everything else is irrelevant. And so as a state senator, uh, the most the thing that I'm most proud of accomplishing is saving 20,000 acres of hardwood forest. And I didn't do it through the legislature. I did it through the fourth estate. I did it through the media and really, really pressuring people to understand that we can't cut down trees. It's important to think about the genesis of people in politics. And the reason that I got involved in politics to begin with was to save a huge hill in the Highland Rim that was about to be blasted into and they were gonna cut down all of the trees. This is the most important question of our time, and we do not talk about it enough. And so we have to do everything we can to center our environment because it's a Maslowian thing. Remember Maslow's hierarchy of needs? If we don't have a place to live, we don't have clean air to breathe, we don't have clean water to drink, then nothing else matters. And so that is the most important issue that we face, and it is absolutely my top priority. Jeff Yarbrough. Madison, thank you very much for the question, and I think for demonstrating the importance of having a mayor who's going to meet with the Youth Council, because we've done about 640 of these forums, and that may be the first really direct climate question we've got. I say that for the to bring it to the attention of the of the adults in the room. <laughs> uh, so, look, we are behind here, and all cities need to have a strategy when it comes to dealing with climate, just like every Fortune 100, Fortune 500 company. This is part of how you have to grow if you want to be part of the economy and if you want to have a planet that you're going to live in. So there are a few things that we have to do. One, we have to think about the entire way that we're constructing our infrastructure in a way that is thinking about resilience and sustainability in the long run. Uh, during the, in the legislature, I actually worked with uh, Representative Freeman to pass legislation and get uh, a statewide study about how we do that so that we start thinking longer term instead of only thinking about it for every disaster. Uh, we have a solid waste plan that gets us out of landfills, but we haven't taken any of the steps that would actually reduce the solid waste. We should probably do that. I passed le pass legislation to do better, a better job of reclamation and recycling, and we haven't really taken full advantage of it, and we have to get there on energy. Like the easiest thing to cut in the metro budget is gasoline. We need to be moving our fleet more and more towards electric, and that's what and I'll that's, do. That's time. Matt Wilshire. Madison, thank you for the question. And your question highlights uh, a real challenge that we're facing. And that is, we are now gonna be electing our fifth mayor in the last nine years. 
And far too often, we end up with creating a new plan every time there's a new administration. And for long-term challenges, like some of the ones we've discussed already, affordable housing, transportation, and certainly in the climate, there need to be long-term plans that extend beyond any one in mayoral administration. And to that end, I would like to commend the good work that the Cooper administration is doing in this regard already. And council deserves credit for some of this as well. We have already begun moving our fleet to a more electric vehicle and less gasoline. We've already been building our buildings more to lead standards so they're more energy efficient and consume less carbon uh, in the heating and cooling of those buildings. We need to accelerate and continue that work. We also have launched the Root Nashville plan, which you may know is a plan to plant over 500,000 trees. That needs to be, the pace of that needs to be accelerated. Trees do a lot of things, reduce heat islands, make it more pleasant to live in, and obviously take carbon out of the air. We need to be accelerating those initiatives that have already been launched. And there's a lot more that we can be doing with solar panels to take our energy consumption off of coal and shift it to renewable sources. As a city, those are immediate steps that we can take that I will emphasize as mayor the first day when I come into office. Thank you for your vision. And thank you for your applause. <laughs> Alice Rowley. Yeah, so climate and the concern about the livability of the city takes first taking a very long-term view. The highest point in the county today is named for my great-grandfather. It's called Ganyer Ridge at Radnor Lake. That is a state park. Most people who live near Radnor Lake don't care that it's a state park or a city park. They care that citizens together worked with the state to purchase that land and create a park instead of 300 more homes, which was what was the plan. So I'll bring it forward to the community I live in in Edge Hill. Uh, we, um, in the last 10 years, have had to fight various mayoral administrations and their economic development team who planned to sell what is currently William Edmondson's home site for a development. We reclaimed that and fought back. It is now an urban arboretum with 27 different kinds of trees planted there. We had to fight to save Fort Negley, which was a protected urban parkland of 64 acres that folks on this stage were handing out the side door to put 27 buildings on to settle the gaps in our budget. So while you may think Alice is super boring, I was a teacher too, but she wants to just keep talking about the budget, we cannot make generational decisions when we keep uh, spending and, and, and creating these situations. And then last I would say is we've got to protect our family farms. Our family That's owns a time. farm. Yep. Freddie O'Connell. Thanks. This is a live your, live your values question. Uh, for more than 20 years, we've powered our home with TVA's Green Switch, which you can do for $4 a block of energy per month. Uh, you can go to TVA.com, look it up. Uh, when we had a community solar project available, we started immediately subscribing to solar panels. You can do the same thing. Look up Music City Solar. Uh, when I started, my first car was a bike. I paired it with a bus. It was our pathway to home ownership. It's a climate solution. It's also a financial empowerment solution. When I finally needed a car and my commute changed, I drove an alternative fuel vehicle. I've never owned a traditional gas-powered vehicle. Uh, when I started having kids, I had a zero-emission vehicle, which I've been in for more than a decade. Ask everyone up here. Those questions, how are they living? When I got the opportunity to turn my values into policy, we passed three critical energy policy bills that got us on track to have a renewable portfolio standard, which will have Metro 
100% renewable within a few decades, and we will accelerate it to 100% solar very soon. We have stronger green building standards than ever, and we are on track to have a zero emission fleet of vehicles. We can go further than that. Uh, we can do continue the Route Nashville process of planting more trees. We can zero out emissions from our parks equipment. There are so many ways to be active about this if we choose to live our values in a way that we want to build the future for you all. Thanks. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm Khalil Ekelona. You're listening to special coverage of Nashville's mayoral race from a forum we moderated Monday night. Tweet us your reactions at This Is Nashville. Now, I'm here in studio with our senior producer, Steve Harouche. Steve, let's talk a little bit about what we just heard. Yeah, so the climate. Uh, you are an old schooler like myself, so yes. you may remember the old Think Globally, Act Locally bumper sticker, right? Yes, I do. Yeah. Very well. So uh, both Alice Rowley and Heidi Campbell use this as kind of a, a, a moment to tell their origin story, but kind of oddly, it was mostly about green space, and obviously that's you know part of the equation, but um, for Rowley, this was also somewhat unexpectedly uh, a place to talk about one of her favorite themes of the evening, which is the budget. Hmm. So you can you can draw those lines if you like. Um, for Heidi Campbell, I'm not sure that I've heard her say before that the environment is her top priority. So that was certainly an interesting moment and maybe something to keep an eye on. Um, and then, you know, Jeff Yarbrough's quip that out of 640 mayoral forums, maybe give or take a few here mm -hmm. and there, um, yes. this was the first time they got a direct question about climate change. And I think that says something about how maybe the youth are thinking about this race and the world that we live in maybe a little differently than some of us older folks. Yeah, and yesterday's episode was actually about climate change. Okay, so let's get back to the forum. The average cost of childcare in Tennessee is more than tuition at an in-state college. In a recent survey, 75% of Nashville families said access to affordable and quality childcare is a challenge. As mayor, what would you do to increase the number of high-quality and affordable childcare options for our families? Freddie O'Connell, please begin. Yeah, so you've you've already heard a little bit about the um, child care piece that we have lived and that I will continue to work on. One of the 15 fixes that I have proposed is starting to expand to guaranteed aftercare seats, particularly in elementary schools, because that is when children often cannot stay home safely by themselves. Uh, the problem continues into middle school where we need the Nashville Afterzone Alliance to remain one of the strongest things that is a partnership with Metro. Uh, but this is also where some we've done some of the smartest spending with our one-time federal money from the American Rescue Plan Act, where we invested in a big way for the first time as a metro government in provision of high quality child care. That is something that the next mayor is going to have to figure out how to sustain. Uh, and it's a commitment that I am absolutely intent on making because child care and specifically lowering barriers for people to choose our amazing metro schools uh, as public school options for their families and find the excellence there is a critical opportunity for lowering the cost of living. Thanks, Cleo. Sharon Hurt. I would agree we will continue to do the work that we've done with NASA because we just gave $2.9 million. We also work with United Way and Rafa Institute to make sure that we do so. But we've got to get down to the real nitty gritty because we've got Metro Action Commission that has an amazing head start. We've got our 18th Avenue enrichment program. We're gonna have to get to those places to where our kids need it the most. 
You know, I, I know the last question, I talked about some things, but I should have talked about the work that I did on the Music City Center with LEAD. Should have talked about the solar panels that we've done. But I spend a lot of time trying to say the things that I think that you all want to hear. But I want you to know that I've been down in the trenches and I see it, and it is a difference. We can talk about the nice things that are happening, but until we bring all people up to the same level, we are not going to see the things that we need to see in this city. So I just want you all to know that we're going to have to get to those communities where they have been neglected, forgotten, disenfranchised, and not leave one community, not one block, not one person behind. And as your mayor, I am going to make sure that that happens because right, a rising tide lifts all boats. Thank you. All right. And Jim Gingrich. All right, so this is a big issue. And actually, when you said 75%, that really kind of understates the problem because that 75% is concentrated among anybody who is middle income and below and finds it really difficult to access those resources. I mean, we have whole parts of the city that are basically deserts from a childcare standpoint. Uh, there are pieces of this that are easier to solve than others, so. We do need significantly more investment in after-care programs and summer programs for kids from elementary all the way at least through middle school, if not after. Second, for the areas that are in the highest need, we need to also be investing, and there's some really interesting programs out there for pre-K that when, when you have youth that are in under-resourced areas can make a dramatic difference that you can execute in anywhere from three to 12 months. The toughest problem is what do you do zero to three? Because that economic model, those are the most expensive kids to deal with, and it is really hard. And so we have to start to experiment with different types of economic models to make this happen. I happen to be on the board of Rafah. There is some really interesting work they're doing in terms of in-child, in-child, in-home childcare. Uh, but we're gonna have to find something because All it right, is just so right expensive, there. as you said. Heidi Campbell. So Nashville is one of the most redlined cities in the country. And when we're talking about these sorts of issues, one thing we have to acknowledge is that some schools are doing better than others. Some families are doing better than others. Some areas are doing better than others. Like Glendale in my neighborhood, for example, is a great school because parents put hundreds of thousands of dollars and a lot of their time and energy into that school. There are other schools where you have single moms that are working two jobs. They can't afford to do that. So we have to triage those inequities because we're all going to do better when we all do better. And one way we can triage those inequities in a state that is not going to be funding public education anytime soon is by hiring community school coordinators for the schools that are struggling the most. And that is an individual whose day job is to build support around an individual school from businesses, nonprofits, um, churches, and other organizations organizations in the area targeted specifically towards the needs of that school, and sometimes that is childcare. 
Um, I want to I reemphasize what Senator Yarbrough said, which is very important. The early childhood education component of this data clearly shows us that that's when kids' brains are on fire, and that's when we really, really have to invest in children more in our city. And so I'm not just thinking about child care, but I'm also thinking about early childhood education. All right. Jeff Yarbrough. So... I believe that the inadequate state of childcare is a crisis in the city, and it has been for quite some time. I, I, when our oldest son was born 14 years ago, I remember looking for uh, childcare ourselves, and we realized we should have put him on a wait list three years before he was conceived, <laughs> which we didn't. <laughs> But you don't know. So, uh, but we need to put just as much attention on opening new childcare centers as we have on opening new hotels at the very least. We know we can do this, but it is gonna take real work. There are a few different obstacles. Look, there are some real challenges that you gotta work with where you do have to partner with the state on some of the regulatory things to open new childcare centers. I passed three pieces of legislation just to make childcare more affordable to help childcare centers open. A huge hurdle that we're gonna have here is making sure that you can keep the staff uh, being able to afford to keep staff in those places and having a plan there. And I think we're going to have to have partnerships where the government is working with parents and with employers to put people to work. It's not just a question of having childcare. We actually need moms and families to be back in the workforce in a way that childcare actually makes possible and improves the quality of life for entire families. Matt Wilshire. So there are a few hurdles. Uh, Jeff talked about them, and I uh, compliment the work that he's doing to try and streamline some of the stuff at the state. I hope Jeff and Heidi continue to keep doing that great work. Uh, <laughs> but this is a very serious issue, and there are some very serious challenges we have in front of us. Um, finding enough staff to staff uh, child care centers is one among them. So we need to make sure that we are focused on training professionals to do that work. Facilities are also a huge hurdle, finding places where these can work. So last week, as some of you I hope know, I released a series of three policy proposals. One on focused on public education, which is uh, across the whole spectrum, zero to five, K-12, and 18 to 24-year-olds, which talks about this. The other two were on public safety and on quality of life. And I would encourage you to go check out these proposals, because in 90 seconds, it's tough to get from anyone. But what we are proposing to do is to make sure that we are putting childcare centers in every high school in Nashville. Facilities, both that can work as a workforce development program for students who are in high school who want to become childcare professionals, but also as a retention tool for our teachers. There have been examples of this, including Little Wonders, that, come, that uh, schools have already put in place. But we also need to work with the private sector, like they've done at Nashville Yards, where they're opening childcare centers at Nashville Yards. When we attract companies here, we need to make sure they're providing the resources that their employees need. As your mayor, I will do that. Alice Rowley. I love that this question is being asked in this room and in this center. Many people know that Marguerite Salee, Honey Alexander, and Captain Kangaroo founded what became uh, Bright Horizons, the world's largest workplace daycare center. I think that part of building more childcare takes bringing the private sector in and seeing childcare as a workforce retention issue. So from the city's perspective, what can we do or what should we do? 
We can treat childcare centers as a fast-tracked permitting process to say, how do we do everything in our power? The same way the city changed zoning regulations downtown with respect to how many parking spaces you need, what can we do in the city to start to incentivize people to convert existing building space or to rethink? And then what uh, Senator Yarborough said, what do we need to do? We are not alone in seeing a, a child care crisis. What do we need to do with other county mayors to advocate at the state level for some flexibility in the way that we build child care centers? Nashville is a city that's growing up, and some of the ways that we may be permitted things in the past, we can look at differently. Some ways that child care facilities are run very well in New York or Miami. Could we learn from that and say, can we approach or reimagine a building? Can we rethink? And can we build the next Nashville's bright horizon that creates more uh, workplace daycare centers for our kids? Did you say Captain Kangaroo? Yes, sir. Good morning, Captain. Come on out and play. Wake up the sunshine and share this rain. Man, that takes me back. Okay, so I'm here with senior producer Steve Harouche and WPLN education reporter Alexis Marshall. So I think it's pretty clear that this forum focused on young folks, right? Yes, or, or the youths, as I like to say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, at, at the end there, we, we just heard Alice Rowley asking this series of questions. And I think that really gets to how difficult and complicated this whole child care issue is. I mean, we heard Jeff Yarbrough say it's affected him personally, and I can attest that the daycare wait list is very real. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had Sharon Hurt, Jim Gingrich, Heidi Campbell, all acknowledging that this problem doesn't affect every community equally. And granted, 90 seconds is not a lot of time, but we didn't hear a whole lot in the way of concrete proposals. Matt Wiltshire talked about putting child care centers in every metro high school, pretty ambitious. And Freddie O'Connell talked about guaranteed after-school seats, but not a whole lot in the way of actual proposals. Yeah, something that stood out to me was uh, Jim Gingrich really emphasizing how expensive that zero to three age range is, um, and also explaining how that's the most difficult type of child care to find. Um, He was emphasizing how he would want to experiment with different types of models, including uh, potentially like in-home childcare models to see what types of services we can do to expand to all parts of the city to make this childcare that's so expensive more accessible. All right, now we have to take a short break. When we come back, we'll continue this special coverage of Nashville's mayoral election. Tweet us your reactions at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Kelowna, and this is Nashville. You've been listening to a special broadcast of a mayoral forum put on by the Nashville Child and Youth Collaborative Monday night. I co-moderated the forum with a few inspiring teens from the Mayor's Youth Council. I'm going to hand it off to Ensworth High student Hudson Honeybone, who had this question for the candidates Monday night. As a teenager, I am constantly surrounded by drugs, alcohol, and various other harmful substances. Many of my peers fall victim to the overwhelming quantity and easy access to it, and they fall into an addictive cycle of abuse. 
How will you as mayor address underage substance abuse? Thank you, Hudson. Alice Rowley, please begin. Yeah, Hudson, um, this, my children are seven and 11, and I know for moms and dads in the room, you think of it, I, I think of myself, I'm still on the JV team as a parent. I have not lived through middle school and high school with my boys, um, and it is uh, a terrifying and very real epidemic that we have both mental health, but also the access uh, to drugs, and in particular fentanyl, and the, uh, and, and the extraordinary and destructive power that that has. Uh, so I think it first starts um, with what are we doing every day in our schools to be places that are supportive of learning? What are we doing uh, to not only protect kids from forces on the outside, but what are we doing to make sure that they have paths to know who they are and what their future and what their purpose is? Um, and then on the side of enforcement, uh, I do think that we have to reset some of the attitude that we have right now around uh, drug enforcement and that we've got to actually um, some some people who are both dealing drugs and selling drugs need to spend some time in jail and I know that that is not a popular opinion but if there is no accountability ever at some point uh, we, we we continue to propagate a culture that um, that continues that so I um, I don't have the answers um, but I, I do hope um, that uh, that you stay involved with the mayor's youth council and um, and continue to tell your friends to try to find All productive right. ways Freddie O'Connell. Yeah, Hudson, this is a great example of why it's so important to have young people not just asking, but providing insights. Um, like Alice, I've got a 12-year-old and a 6-year-old daughter, and the 12-year-old is showing signs every day of being a teenager, and that's terrifying to us. Uh, but somehow, my brother and I managed to navigate our teenage years and young adulthood without falling victim to this, and some of that was good family support, but I think one of the things that we always have to keep in mind as a city, and that I think it's going to be really important to have a mayor uh, who is invested in youth opportunity is that word. It's opportunity. It's opportunity to have places to go that are all ages. I'm fortunate when I was growing up in Nashville that I knew of a few all ages venues that some of my friends could go and see live music at. It turns out that's actually incredibly important. And we have a handful in Nashville right now, uh, but we also have an independent music venue crisis. And that's actually making it harder for people under the age of 18 to have places to go experience what Music City is. Uh, beyond that, it's thinking about how we make the city accessible to families, and that includes young people too. So when we build out the East Bank, I don't want it to be something that is a junior version of our entertainment district downtown. I want it to be a cluster of great urban neighborhoods with places that young people not only want to go but can go safely. Uh, and ultimately, we've got to do a good job in our Metro Public Health Department as COVID emerged, we realized we had a weak spot in opioid abuse in particular, and that's a place we need to return some focus. All right. Sharon Hurt. So I have to mention Grayson Eden Daycare Center from the last question because that place was uh, sacred for people in this North Nashville community, just as the organization called Streetworks, where I serve as its CEO and executive director. And we serve people who have issues with substance abuse disorders and alcoholism and HIV and AIDS. It's really about education and giving them more information. We talk about and we act 
as we are reducing the harm and not the person. Because it can happen to everyone. In fact, it does happen to every family. We provide them with the information, provide them means to be able to go and get the help that they need. We provide them with food, transportation, housing, and all the things that are barriers to them because of where they have found themselves. Mental health issues. You got to get to the root of it before you can get to the fruit of it. And people are using stigma, even providers are still having problems. So it's about educating not only those who have fallen victim, but all of the ecosystems and all of the families that are surrounding with them. We provide workforce development programs for them. We do have to invest in them and give them the things that they need, but let them know that they are perfect in their imperfections That's and time. reduce that harm. Jim Gingrich. Thank you for the question, Hudson. Um, my brand new grandchild is also named Hudson, so I love your name. Um, what you're describing is um, the worst parent's nightmare. Uh, it, uh, it is also a, you know, in some ways I see the challenge and, 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 and what we need to confront is broader than even the way you described it. We have a major mental health issue right now among all of America, but particularly among our youth. Uh, I just saw data that, that one in four girls at the age of 14 has contemplated suicide. The rate of depression is triple or quadruple what it was not that long ago. Uh, there is a broader set of things going on than just it manifesting itself in drug use or alcohol abuse. Uh, the, uh, you know, if you think about what's happening in the city from a juvenile crime standpoint, we have an epidemic, you know, the, 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 when we have an investigation of a gun being discharged, 75% of the time, it's a kid between the ages of, of 12 and 13 up to 17. Uh, we do need to do a better job of taking care of our children and that Part of that can That's happen time. in the schools, and, and part of it needs to happen at home. Jeff Yarbrough. Sorry. Uh, Heidi, pardon me. My okay. bad, Joe. I'm not trying to get out of here that fast, I promise. <laughs> Heidi. Uh, thanks for the question, Hudson. This is one of the reasons I keep saying Nashville needs a mom. When my kids are sick, I will do anything to get them better. And when our culture is sick, I will do anything to get it better. And this is really just a symptom of other problems. I think a lot of people, not just kids, but a lot of kids are experiencing mental health issues. You know, coming out of COVID, it's very complicated to try and deal with school issues right now. Um, it's very challenging to be a teenager. I have two teenage kids, and I know how hard that is. And and so I think we have to really give our society, our kids, our schools, our children love and make sure that we are emphasizing mental health services after school programs. You know, why are kids doing drugs? Because they're not fulfilled in what they are doing. That's obviously a symptom of a greater problem. And so it's not just a matter of you know, punitive measures. We have to make sure that we are nurturing our children. 
not punishing them, but nurturing them. And so that means providing programs and providing services that, that change the story for them so that they don't feel like they want to do drugs. Now, Jeffrey Alvaro. Uh, thank you. Uh, Hudson, thank you for the question and being the, the father of uh, a rising ninth grader in Metro Nashville Public Schools, I, I do think about this. Look, I think that we have to have a pretty broad conversation on two fronts here. One, for too long, the state and the city, I think, have not come at uh, substance use in the correct way. I think we have taken a far more punitive approach and a not enough of a treatment approach. For instance, we spend less as a state on all our substance use programs than uh, I think like than some of our high schools have spent on new tennis courts. That's a true statistic, by the way. Uh, we are not investing in treatment and treating this like the health issue that it is. But I also think if we are waiting until high school, we're probably not thinking about how to do this right. This is why we have to be much better at thinking from prenatal through, uh, you know, all the way through adulthood. Because we know that there are lots of new moms who are giving birth while having, being the, by being subs, uh, having substance use disorders. That's why we should be working with places like Renewal House and other programs that try to work with those families. We should be doing home visitations for new moms, and we should be doing much more comprehensive support, behavioral and mental health throughout the K-12 through experience uh, to diminish those needs. Matt Wilshire. So Hudson, thank you for your question. Thank you for your engagement. Thank you for your bravery. Um, I am the parent of five teenagers, parent and step-parent, of five teenagers uh, and a five-year-old. Um, by the way, y'all, please, please pray for me on that. Um, but, but each kid has a different experience. And, and that's one of the things that I've learned. It, it's ta I've learned that lesson the hard way, um, that every child is different. And every child's experience is different. And so I don't think that, I don't think, I'd love to talk with you some more about it after this. I don't think there's one answer to it. Um, I do think that cultural um, issues, I also remember when I was a teenager um, and what I experienced, this isn't a brand new problem. It's been around, it's been different. It's taken different forms. Um, I think a, a number of the things that were mentioned earlier certainly are factors. I think folks, Hurt people hurt people. And there are, there are a lot of people who are hurting. And they try and find ways to feel better. And so I do think it's important for us to try and find ways for kids to engage in a more positive way so that that doesn't feel like the, the medicine that they need to feel better. But it's different for each kid. And I think changing the culture of how we do this in a better way through bravery and standing up and applauding that is critical to that. All right, we're halfway through Monday night's forum where we'll leave it for today's episode. But before we go, let's check back in with This Is Nashville senior producer Steve Harouche and WPLN education reporter Alexis Marshall. Now, Lexi, this was a powerful question from Hudson Honeybone. What stood out to you in the candidates' answers? 
I think the first thing that stood out to me was Alice Rowley's response, um, really talking about enforcement being part of her approach, um, specifically jail time potentially for people who sell drugs. Um, and a lot of the other candidates distinguished themselves by by saying that they would try to take a less punitive approach. Um, so that was one thing. And then pretty much every candidate was talking about the youth mental health challenges that kids are facing today. Kids are really hurting, and that has really only been exacerbated by the pandemic. So a lot of them talked about ways to empower students with um, other ways to spend their time, whether that be workforce development opportunities or um, just places where kids can go um, where they don't have to be 18 or 21 and up. I noticed that we heard a lot of parent language there as a parent, my grandson, etc. Um, but I did appreciate that Freddie O'Connell seemed to at least remember being a teenager. <laughs> I want to thank you both. And thanks to everyone who listened this hour. Tune in tomorrow to hear the rest of the mayoral forum with a few behind the scenes bonus features. This is Nashville as a production of WPLN News and Nashville Public Radio. Today's episode was produced by our executive producer, Andrea Tudhope. Special thanks to Cameron Atkins, Chas Sisk, Nate Smith, Carl Peterson, LaTanya Turner, Pamela Sheffer, and the entire Nashville Child and Youth Collaborative. The masterminds behind our theme music are LaRange and Namir Blade. Listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. The conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at This Is Nashville. Find us on Instagram and tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil A. Colonna. I'm Susanna Wilkinson. I'm Hudson Honeybone. I'm Madison Moore. I'm Yusuf Dogan, and we'll see you tomorrow, everybody.